You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's time now for It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brentus Wealth. Brentus Wealth has been voted SA's top boutique wealth manager in both 2017 and 2020 and is rarely out of the top three or four when it comes to that accolade as well. With me is Mags Haystack from Brentus Wealth. And Mags wants to talk about the interesting subject of cybersecurity. Mags, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Why is this in particular of interest to you? Well, Lindsay, first of all, thank you once again for, for having me. Um, you know, we we deal a lot, well, as a company, we deal a lot with investments and we deal with, with people's money. And I think we always have a, let's say, a more more focus on the investment side and, you know, everything else that, that surrounds personal investments. But at the end of the day, a lot of your capital that goes to your investments or, you know, debit orders, things like that, it originates from one source and that's your bank account. And the reason why I thought cybersecurity and, and, and talking about the importance of having a sound, let's call it a personal security um, profile or, you know, just a, a, a rule of thumb is that bank accounts are typically the most targeted type of, you know, sources for 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 scammers and, and con artists because it's it's you know becoming more and more prevalent in today's day and age that you know they are trying much more elaborate ways of of getting access to your to your not only money in your bank account but to some extent the money in your in your investments and that's just you know what I wanted to talk about in how can investors and consumers better let's say prepare and defend themselves against these type of type of cyber attacks and and let's say let's call it phishing okay i want you to listen to my example whenever i am invited to put in a password whatever app i'm going into whatever online shopping site i'm going into they say right you've got to have a password and you've got to have a user id user id is um, usually my uh, probably my email address and then it says password I use the same password on every single account or every single entity that I'm entering uh, mags and I think to myself well these these people must love me because they can easily hack into anything that I'm going into not so much on the banking side but is it true that you have to mix up your passwords so this is a very um you know, I think over time you can definitely argue that this should be the case. The problem is I think a lot of people, you know, there's so much to remember and, and a lot of people perhaps like me think, well, how am I supposed to remember everything? That's that's definitely a very, very big, um, you know, ar- ar- argument against having different passwords for different you know, your email or your banking or investments and things like that. But I mean, if I can use an example, if you look at your house, you don't have one key that unlocks every single door in your house. Right. You've got a front door key. You've got a back door key. You've got different keys that lock different doors. You've got, if you can kind of catch my drift of, of the example that I'm trying to use. And to an extent, your protection of your, your money needs to be handled in the exact same way. Now, in in our, let's say, 
our day and age, especially with investments and everything that we use, there are three main sources that I feel should be protected the most. The first and foremost is your your bank account. Uh, your bank account should be made quite difficult um, to, let's say, crack or you know, for people to gain access to because that is the most pivotal service that you use right. on a day-to-day basis. You know, if, if you get somehow conned or you know hacked or anything, and your money's gone, in most cases, you know, it's a very very long road to recovering any of it, if not all of it. Um, and I sent you a, a basically a. A little chart now obviously it's difficult because you know listeners can't see it but basically it's just indicating you know the more complex your passwords are the better protection you have but for an example just before you go you on max have... i just want to tell people that it's different color codes you've got purple you've got red you've got orange you've got a slightly less uh, bright orange color and then you've got green and it's all to do with uh, numbers only lowercase letters upper and lowercase letters, etc. In other words, the complexity of your password and the propensity for people to be able to get into them, given the different numbers or passwords or combinations of letters and passwords that you put in as your password, if you see what I mean. So it, it is actually a very, very good chart. And there are certain passwords that are easy to get into and certain that are very, very difficult and will put off hackers, I would have thought. Correct. And I mean, just to maybe give one or two examples, but if you had if you had a password with 11 characters, for example, but they only consisted of numbers, yeah. hackers could crack that password instantly. Um, if, we, if we look at the charts a bit more towards complexity, um, if you had a password with seven characters, but they included numbers, upper and lower case letters and symbols. And to an extent, a lot of people would argue that's quite a complex password. It can be cracked in about 31 seconds. So the long and the short of it is your passwords need to be complex to an extent that you're not going to you know, confuse yourself and forget it instantly, but try and create a, a structure where there is sufficient protection against all of the, you know, the, the, let's say the you know the hackers lurking out there and a hacker is such a it's such an overused term and it's not always 100 percent correct you get different types of hackers but i think for the for simplicity we'll refer to you know people with ill intentions as as hackers so the bottom line is your banking needs to be secure um your email that's also a very critical um component of your cyber security let's say um structure or plan because that also is a source of changing information with regards to banking profiles or investments or anything like that. And it has happened many times in the past. People click an unscrupulous link and other people get control of your email account and you get blocked out. And in, in my opinion, it's much harder to get in touch with, with email platforms like Google, for example, um, or you know other international um email hosting companies because they are not really based in South Africa. They are based internationally and it takes much longer. At least from a bank account point of view, you have some recourse because you can go to a branch and you can, you know, try and, you know, help to get your banking profile unblocked. And something that I feel a lot of people overlook, um, you know, be it with friends or relatives or uh, anyone, is, is the fact that some people have very, very simple 
cell phone um, passwords or you know on Android devices you can do patterns. Now obviously it does create a bit more provides a bit more protection, but if you're using a four number pin code for your cell phone, you need to change that instantly. Yes. Because the the less complex any source of let's say, electronic device is to access, the easier it is to gain gain access to 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 those phones. And if you are using, you know, most phones today have cloud cloud based cloud based systems where you can, you know, wipe your phone remotely, things like that. Make sure that those passwords for those services are also very complex to to you know. Be, be cracked. I'll give you a very quick example for myself. Right. Um, my phone was stolen, and I, I was sent a an iCloud link that oh my my phone has been found, and I need to sign into iCloud to um you know to track where it is. But luckily, I was able to you know basically figure out that this is the people who had stolen my phone were trying to get access to my. my um, my password, and and there are ways that we'll touch touch on in a second of of how you can prevent being victim to that. Yeah, the other thing is uh, if you've got a four digit password that you've, you're invited to put into whatever it is, whether it be your phone, you think of your birthday. I mean, let's say for example you were born today, on the nineteenth of April, you put in one nine. And people have ways of finding that sort of thing out. So don't make it obvious. But also the four-digit password thing is, is, is very silly, as you quite rightly say. Make it more complex. What about protecting your investment accounts? You say here, chat with your advisor if two-factor authentication is being used. What is that? What is 2FA? So that's that's more the international acronym for what we call OTPs. Basically, when you log into any type of, of system, they send a, a one-time PIN. And, you know, that I think most people today are aware of, of what that entails. Now, a lot of platforms do provide two-factor authentication. Some don't. And the platforms that don't really provide that, you know, that's, for example, if you're changing your banking details or if you're making withdrawal, things like that, they are typically more protected. The platforms that don't have it are going, you know, there will be ways that people can get around, um, you know, the, the, the protection mechanism. So just just keep keep that in mind um, because it does happen and it has happened, um, you know, to an extent, uh, at, you know, with with us um and, and not to get into too much you know not with sharing client information or anything like that but we had a case uh, a few years ago where one of our clients email addresses was hacked um they the, the people who hacked the email account they sent us a request to change the banking details but we have internal processes as well that we follow again not not giving away anything about our processes or not we were able to stop it in time but for me it was quite scary that the people were able to go that far and they knew the process of of changing banking details to get access to capital in the investments and now this is not cause for panic Um, this is a very rare case i think it's only happened to us once but again the source was from the client. The client's email email account was compromised, and the people who compromised the email account had a bit more, let's say, um, understanding of the processes uh, from an investment point of view of what was required, changing email accounts, changing banking details, all of that. So bear in mind, this does happen. The, the, the basic premise of today's conversation is if you're 
security is not sufficient, you could potentially be a target at some point in the future. Um, so it does happen, and that's the message today. Make sure your your you know that bottom line that your your profile, and I'm talking about everything electronic, anything that has to do with your capital is secure. Yes, indeed. And the other thing is, when it comes to the email scam, uh, which which I get I get a lot. Someone will send me something, for example, uh, I don't know how they do it. Some algorithm that they know that I'm getting something couriered to me, and they come up with this scam where they say um, your your parcel is ready for uh, delivery. Please pay a hundred rand to this, and it'll be. And I think to myself, wait a second, this doesn't look right. It's not the company I used, and also there's often spelling mistakes mags these people some people not the east not the east european or, or russian or north koreans they're very sophisticated but there are certain other scammers that are so unsophisticated they spell things incorrectly there must be a number of tips that you can use when you see an email and they wave red flags for you 100 percent correct and there are so many different tips and let's say giveaways in these emails that that you can use to protect yourself but I think one of the biggest the biggest components is that a financial institution will most likely never contact you if your password is out of date or you need to update this information or anything like this. I follow a very straightforward rule um, when it comes to my own banking and, and everything else. If I haven't initiated the contact, I will not action on that email because nine, 99 out of 100 times it is a phishing attempt and you know, someone looking for, for access to personal information. And most of the times they're looking for login details. They they can send very sophisticated looking uh, web pages where they they basically do what's called key logging, where you think this is an official website. They then get access to your um, your email address and your password. And most of the times the final step is, is getting access to your phone or, you know, other means. But as I've said, uh, you know, most financial institutions will not contact you directly. If someone finds you or if they email you, stop it dead in its tracks and you make the initiation. Go to your bank's webpage and, and, and find the dedicated call center number. If it's from an investment firm or a platform or any, any type of financial institution, contact their number. Get, go to official sources on the official webpages and phone them or email them. You need to make the make the make the connection. If someone phones you and says, "Look, there's issue with your banking," thank you very much. I will phone you, and that's the end of the story. Um, rather rather be safe than sorry. Take a defensive position because in I think in the last 10, 15 years, the the amount of cyber crime has increased exponentially and will probably continue to go up because people are still getting caught out. Um, yeah, yeah, we don't learn, do we, Mag? So people don't learn. I mean, the the whole um, funding U Ukraine humanitarian movement is is a classic one. There are so many scammers out there coming up with these websites saying uh, donate here, donate there, etc. That's not quite what you're talking about. But the point is that there are people out there that want to <laughs> want to separate you from your money. You say right at the end here, you say if your gut instincts tells you something is off, follow it. So follow up, as you quite rightly say. Say, okay, well, I'll I'll I'll, I'll check check if 
uh, your local, your your chosen bank is contacting you. Uh, check if whatever other institution is contacting you is actually contacting you. Uh, so, yeah, if it seems a little bit too good to be true or too bad to be true, check it out. I think, Max. That, that's very correct. And I think also, I think maybe one more example that I can use, and it's it happens every single year. You get an email from SARS saying you have you have a refund due. Please log in here, <laughs> yeah. um, and they do that because it's tax season and everyone is due, or perhaps they owe this, you know the taxman a bit of money. But in a lot of cases, people are due a refund, and you think, oh, okay, I'm due. I'm due for quite a nice refund. Let me just log in quickly to this fake website with my SARS login details, and you know the rest is history. Then you know the the people have have all the ammunition that they need to to make you know, very damaging changes. But I think a big item that you can look for as well, especially when, when clicking links in emails, in your web browser, you you have what's called a URL. That's, you know, when you type out google.com or anything else, that's called a URL. There's always going to be a little lock icon next to safe and secure pages. If you see, for whatever reason, you access a web page and that little lock icon has a little line or a cross through it, just close the page and go back to that, you know, what we were just talking about. Contact the institution directly. That's the safest way. Um, and at the end of the day, just remember that there's no obligation for you to give out any of your information in any case if someone phones you. And I think that's kind of the message we, we're trying to say. And I think just to recap... Make sure you're secure with your passwords. Um, um, you know, there, there's lots of ways you can always write it in a little book, hide it somewhere, or you know, keep keep that safe if, if you feel that you know it's it's a bit too difficult. But there are also many password saving apps and and tools that you can use. But just at the end of the day, make sure that you're protecting yourself and and just always be on 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 alert. Very good advice, Max. One more point I want to make on this: I was scammed three times in South Africa when I was living there via my credit card. In other words, I would go to a restaurant and on, on all three occasions, it was in Cape Town. Uh, I paid via credit card and then my credit card would be cleaned out uh, a couple of days later or within hours in, in, in fact. And what I want you to make clear now is the legal recourse you have for that. What do you have to do if you suddenly say, wait a second, there's people been charging my credit card for various goods and services which are nothing to do with me. What do you do when you suddenly start to realize that people are taking money from your account? So that's a good point. Um, I, I myself was scammed uh, a few years ago with my credit card. Um, I don't know where it happened, but that's what we refer to as physical cloning. Um, they did it on Christmas Day, which they knew very well banks were not open. And yeah. again, also cleaned up my accounts. Uh, fortunately enough, my bank was very understanding. Um, they didn't... Um, they they tried to charge my my credit card on a on a website, but there was no OTP or you know on the some bank apps have an option that you can approve it once you log in with you know your biometrics. Um, I then submitted a form, and most of the capital was was returned back. But again, that's that's a different type of, of position because. I think in your case, your card was cloned and maybe someone was looking over your shoulder while you put your pin in. Um, that That's difficult. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you were able to, you know, get your money back or not, but 
again, you know, if you're using your card, things like that, be aware, be on alert. Um, it takes two seconds for someone to memorize your PIN and, and that's that's it. Um, so in most cases, talk to your bank, you know, you can maybe, you know, try and fight it, things like that, but just always be wary. There's unfortunately always vultures uh, lurking around us when it comes to our money. Yeah, for, and for the record, I did get my money back on each of the three occasions and the banks were very, very understanding because I think they get a lot more of these sort of incidents than we we could ever imagine, Mags. Mags, that was great advice. Thank you very much for your time. That's Mags Haystack from Brenthurst Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.